0: forget all about yesterday. It's in the past. Don't worry about tomorrow. You can't control the future. Focus on the present and cherish it because we're all just living one day at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Shout out to my man, Anwar. We in the virtual studio today, man.
1: We are. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this conversation today.
0: Heck yeah, heck yeah, heck yeah. Uh, so I'm going to start off right off the bat. Who is Anwar Velasquez?
1: Oh, deep question. Deep always,
0: question. dude, always yeah. always.
1: yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, that is one that is one thing that I try to work with people on, like, finding their, their who and their why. Um, yeah. But I think first and foremost, I'm a father I have a five-year-old daughter that, that I love um, deeply and um, who just, I would say, in a way continues to make me, um, continues to inspire me, right? Yeah. I think a lot of times we look for inspiration within those who are either older than us. But, but for that, I think that is where I find a lot of my inspiration and motivation. But yeah, I'm a father. I, um, I'm also a, a student. I'm a scholar um a son a grandson but i think by by nature or by my own making or through my own making i've i've actually come to have i've come to an understanding that who i am actually is deeply connected to to earth and to mother nature for
0: sure exactly right dude i love that answer man yeah Yeah, congrats on uh being a father, dude. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Just you just have yeah.
0: one daughter, right? Yeah, yeah, just yes. one
1: daughter. Um and yeah, your, it's it's phenomenal.
0: What's her name?
1: Tali. Sorry, her, well, her full name? So her full name is Neftali. Um, okay. But we call, uh, like we call her Tali everybody. Calls her Tali.
0: Right on, right on. Yeah. Awesome. Do you think uh our physical being as much as our spiritual being how much do you think both of those go hand in hand with
1: Oh, you know, I think, so I'm a big believer that the, the mind, body and spirit all have to be aligned for us to actually um, function in healthy ways. And yeah. I've seen a lot of, I've seen, I've seen a lot of um unalignment when it comes to to people and, and to this society currently, especially the one we're living today. But I yeah. think they have to go hand in hand. They have to um not work in such a codependent way in a way that can be pretty toxic but in a way that um that they're actually again they're aligned with one another so it could also be one of those scenarios or one of those cases that um your spirit for sure definitely feels when your physical is out of alignment right so does your mind and vice versa so i think that is it, it is a good way for those to work in unity in that way um but i'm a big believer that they all they all have to be certainly aligned
0: Nice. Okay. Uh, what kind of stuff do you do to like keep that in practice?
1: I've actually done a lot of meditation recently. Yeah. Um, I've gone into, yeah, I've gone into some meditation practices.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I've gone into some also some cultural identity work throughout the mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Um, physical, physical exercising, you know, so a little bit of ec- uh, just working out, um, Going even going on a walk, I know at times we, when we think of exercise, we automatically go to like, it has to be high intensity or it has to be something that has yeah, to definitely like make weight, training. Weight. Yeah, weight training. Yeah, weight yeah. training. We look at those ways in such a singular way of being, but yeah, just even going on a walk or just sitting somewhere and just being, um, I think that is one of the ways that I take care of of, the, of those things in mind, body, and spirit. And you know, for the mind too, I've I've grown to really enjoy doing a lot of research. Yeah. Um research and just reading overall.
0: Okay. Dude, that's what I've gone into too, just reading in general. Mm-hmm. Ever since I uh left undergrad.
1: Um, any readings that you found like any any topics or anything that that draws you in or you, that you would say pulls you in a little bit
0: more? Uh Weirdly enough, the my most favorite stuff is like dystopian. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what is it? I've read Brave New World. I'm reading Brave New World right now. I read 1984, um, Lord of the Flies, mm-hmm. uh, Animal Farm. Uh, after I'm done reading Brave New World, I'm gonna read uh, Meditations. Yeah, by Marcus Aurelius. I know he talks a lot about like stoicism and how to how to like keep your mind at peace, mm-hmm. you know, not, not really worrying about like outside factors, um, just kind of accepting the world for the reality that it is without complaining or without, you know, just being judgmental towards people and stuff like that, but just accepting your life and the world mm-hmm. and going on about it like any other day. Yeah. um but yeah what kind of stuff do you do you read maybe what, what have you been reading
1: so you know a lot of the work that i've been doing uh so i recently started my my phd as well
0: congrats congrats
1: thank you in education so i think a lot of the a lot of the work that i've enjoyed doing has been around trauma healing yeah uh, um some social justice movement or social justice um I won't say critics. I won't say so much critical race theory, but right. just overall looking at looking at historical pieces and uh, looking at the social justice movement, how has it progressed? Has it how has it stayed the same? Has it been stagnant or? Um yeah. so yeah, I think a combination of all those things and then also um again a lot of the cultural pieces. So I've done I've gone back and started to look more. So after I did my twenty three and me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was able to find out a little bit more of what not really what my race is, right? Because we all know that's yeah. a social contract construct. Yeah. More about like my passports, we'll call it that, right? So, yeah. we're different family members in in in, in that um, that tree have been in the different locations. So after that, I was able to look at okay. So I wanted to start with one group first, and that right now I am doing a lot of work around or a lot of reading around the Mesoamerican way of being. Mm -hmm. The way of knowing, um. So that has been that has been interesting, and that has definitely been a passion of mine. And I think, you know, as as you talked about some of the readings that you've done, and then some of the work around, um, this idea of being centered within yourself, right? Not self-centered, but centered. Mm -hmm. Um, this work around my historical pieces of my or my background has definitely been very helpful. Yeah. Uh, and eye-opening, too.
0: Has it given you, like, a new world, world view?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you talk about education in the United States, and it's definitely one, it's a very linear way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, not only linear way of thinking, but also a linear way of being. So I think that has allowed me to, to really move away from this very destructive way of assimilation that I was going down the path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my in my childhood, you know, coming here at a young age, um, as a thirteen year old from a whole different country, yeah. it hits you it hits you pretty quick in the face of like, yeah, it, yeah, this is the way that this is this culture here. This is how you have to be. This is how you have to dress. How you have to talk for for you to be able to fit in. Right, um, without realizing that I was really moving away from my authentic
0: self. How how hard of, of that was a transition for you?
1: It was hard. It it was hard, Uh, you know. There were so many aspects of it that were difficult. You have the, I mean, you got to add the piece of the language. You have to add the piece of leaving family behind. You have to add the piece of uh, being in a whole new culture, and what does that fully mean, right? Because culture can be really anything. It can even go down to a family. However, and what I've noticed is in American society we tend to make it very vague and very um like a one size fits all type of thing
2: right. so
1: for that it, it became difficult even a, let's put it this way even in the in my school getting used to what what a classroom looked like what desks looked like i mean my classroom in mexico had so many windows and it was you moved in the outdoors a lot so you were yeah. like it was very open right it was open to to the world and open to trees and nature here it's like hallways like you leave one classroom and you're still in the same building
0: yeah some Uh, some classrooms don't even have windows
1: yeah some classrooms like you're right i mean the recess area was completely different um lunch uh, you know even to the to the thing that we were to the things to the food the diet that we were consuming yeah so talk about um you know we often use the word cultural shock Right? But we actually often don't think about the impact that that is creating. I mean, something that shocks you is something that can be painful and traumatic. Yeah. But we use it so nonchalant. Oh, yeah, you you went through some cultural shock. Have we been willing to analyze the full extent of it? And I never really did. Yeah. I got in trouble so often in school because of that, because of not feeling understood and not feeling like I was actually like I belong. I wanted to yeah. do everything, anything I could to to move back to Mexico. That was my reality at that time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You were thirteen? Thirteen, yeah. Dude, I was I was seven when I moved here. And yeah, so
1: that's how old my sister was, so that she was your yeah, age.
0: Yeah. Um
1: so how quick was the process for you to learn English?
0: I mean within a year I I knew just basic stuff to have yeah. a basic conversation. Um yeah. yeah, but when I first got here I like it, it was I felt like it was just me mm-hmm. at the school I was going to because teachers didn't speak Spanish. I mean, mm-hmm. I, cu- I couldn't even ask a basic question like, can I go use the bathroom? Mm-hmm. You know, like it was. I think it's one thing that, like, because I was, I was a very mischievous child. I was always getting in trouble, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, because and I think, yeah, I, I think because of that, that move, it kind of like. I don't even know what the word here to use. Like, como que me quedé más quieto. Like I was just more calm, but not because of those changes. Because I almost didn't know who I was in this new place, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, like when I lived in Mexico, I lived with family, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, and then moving here was just me and my parents, and I'm like. Well, like now, what you know, like, mm-hmm. what am I gonna do after school? What am I gonna do this weekend? Like, and all I wanted to do, like you said, I just wanted to be in Mexico again. Want to talk mm-hmm. to my you know, cousins, grandparents, and stuff like that. And I think that's where it's like the hardest for people to, I guess, overcome uh, if they're moving to the U.S. Because then they feel like they lose themselves. And they don't know how to get out of it. You know? Um, I mean, I don't know if it'll be, I don't know if it's easier now just because there's such a bigger population as we like continue moving forward and stuff. So there's more people for new people that move into the schools and stuff mm-hmm. to uh, relate to. But I think, I think my experience would have been different had I moved at this point in time. Versus when I actually did, just because you need you need those people that you're going to relate with, and I had no one to relate with back then.
2: No, yeah.
1: you know one one of the times that uh, that I was meditating, I was actually reflecting on that move a lot. I was thinking a lot about um, what would have made that transition easier. Um, and it's such a phenomenon that is so is truly is hard to to not only analyze, but also to come up with a solution for it. Mm -hmm. But I literally, like in my mind, I was thinking of crossing the border, you know, giving up your documentation. In that moment, your identity and who you are being completely stripped away. So then when you get here, there's no surprise why, um, why we're seeing the outcomes that we're seeing. To be honest, and I don't even know that a that a larger population would make that much of a shift, especially when we are taken in or we are part of a systems of systems that were not created um, in a way that it truly allow for that idea of an, an integration. Right. Um, yeah. So how do you how do you not that how, it, it's it would be foolish to not expect that that shock that almost like, who am I now?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: one we probably didn't even know who we were before yeah we we were living a life that was you know maybe comfortable we it was familiar because we lived with family it was very close-knit because of our culture mm-hmm. but we, even then i that it's that's of so hard to battle right yeah because dude. we also come from a culture that at times i completely disagree with some of the stuff that we believe in some of the stuff that is so uh like highly publicized and all that, so
2: yeah. It, yeah, we're battling
1: two things: we're trying to juggle two cultural identities where we are not realizing that we're falling through the cracks of that that gap, right
0: you're trying to give it your all for both sides, but you gotta you're just gonna spread yourself thin, mhm, you know, and. If you spread yourself too thin, you're going to completely lose yourself at some point. So I think not just us as Latinos, but like, I think everybody just needs to really really just settle down and like try to figure out how we can can help each other and stuff. Mm -hmm. So whatever that may look like, how can we better help? Um, other people that look like us and how can we get help from you know um, teachers everybody that tried to help us growing up going through school and stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned something earlier that I, I had a question I forgot it you're talking about oh you you said something about um, like coming here and like being just a number Mhm something like that. Do you do you think the US kind of focuses on people more just as a number? And how do, how does that differ from like what you remember in Mexico?
2: That's a tough question. Yeah, I think in 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 part of it, yeah. Cause mm-hmm. even when you think about our senses, I
1: mean, how do we properly identify in the senses? How are we properly, um, counted for accounted for? Yeah. Um, Where in Mexico, I think it just politically, I mean, politically, they're both two complete different systems. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately too, in Mexico, the system has fallen for this hierarchical way of being too. um, You look at systemically. I mean, they're they're probably both dealing with similar deep rooted issues Mm -hmm. that are not that are not really being dealt with, um, and then also educationally. You know, I came from a school that they didn't really care about us, bro. Like to be honest with you, in in class, like I still remember coming here and teachers asking like, "Oh, have you taken us an English class before?" And I was afraid to say yes because one. I did in, in, in middle school in Mexico. I did take an English class where my teacher was drunk. <laughs> so if I say yeah. yes, if I told my teachers, yeah, I took an English class in Mexico, I was afraid that they would treat me here as like if I knew what they were asking me and what they were telling me and all this stuff. Right. right. Um, but then I come here and it, in, in a very similar and different way, I'm being treated almost as almost again in a different way but a very similar outcomes in the same way that I was in Mexico with yeah. the expectations set very low for me um with the lack of understanding of who I was Yeah In Mexico teachers are paid very very poorly You know in comparison to 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 teachers here and yeah. teachers here are also paid very poorly mm-hmm. But in Mexico is a whole different ball game. I mean, one the currency is different, but yeah. then you you can only imagine the training that those teachers have there. Some teachers in Mexico have, depending on again the school you're going to. Obviously, a private school is going to be different. Yeah, um, a, a school in a in a different state may be different too. But in the state in the, in the city that I lived at, my teachers were just. I mean. I can't recall I can't even recall their names or the stuff that they taught me. Let's put it that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and then coming here, like you said, culturally, culturally, and, and I say culturally through a cultural sensitive lens, I was, I was just outgoing. I was just outgoing. I was was wanting to, to be seen. I was wanting, again, like our culture is, it's about being like, um, very playful with one another very Mm -hmm. uh, like familial with one another yeah and i learned very quickly that here it was seen as disrupting a classroom
2: yeah yeah right
1: so instead of being seen as who i was like you know this very energetic kid that that is curious that is actually highly highly creative that that can that, that is very passionate that can actually provide Rich discussions to a classroom was very quickly shut down because I was a bad kid. I was a disruptive kid. Hey, put your hand down. Stop asking questions. Hey, put your hand down. Like, stop bothering the classroom. We'll get to you later. After the third time, bro, you know what? I'm not even raising my hand anymore. Yeah. They're just
0: trying to to get you to conform, follow the social norm. Do you think uh that's an issue that's rooted in the education system or do you think that's something that uh that can maybe be fixed or something that has only been recently occurring?
1: Oh no absolutely you know I think there's in education there's no absolute meaning there's no thing that can stay the way that it is. We are right. all responsible for changing it if we want to. And fixing it, and I'm talking when I say we, I'm talking about anybody in any system that currently functions in the United States, yeah, uh, but I think yes, it is deep rooted in education, right uh, there's plenty of research out there that shows that education truly kills creativity and it kills um I will not say it kills it suppresses um creativity, it puts people and it puts children in in, in boxes again, we go back to at a At a very, very young age, you're taught to what color within the lines. You're taught to yeah. paint or color the the water blue when look at the white river, the white river's not blue, but it is water, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yes, we are taught to to look at that stuff through a very, very linear way of being and thinking. So then what yeah. happens is when we go into systems and institutions again, we're like, no, if it, it, I was told or I was trained to go this way, so now I'm going to go this way. And I'm not really thinking about how that can actually impact um, the people that I'm working for and the people that I'm working with. Yeah. So, so I think it can be fixed if one is actually willing to consciously put the effort yeah. to make sure that um, that is not just following that that single path and that single way of of working or being in, in the classroom or in the in an off in a police department in a fire department, anything like that,
0: yeah, 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 um do you know who John d rockefeller is? i do not john d rockefeller he is uh he is the guy that funded the current education system. he was like one of the guys who created the current education system mm-hmm. um and like his whole idea for it was like he wasn't just involved in education. He was involved in um, big pharma, big oil, one of the wealthiest people of the 1900s. But his main like thing for the education system was like, I want compliant workers, Mm -hmm. which is where you see these, uh, where you see these, um, where, where, where you're talking about, like you have to climb between the lines, you know, the, they test you on memorization. There's one answer to everything. Um, you know, you your test, any test you take, you got to take it by yourself. But like in the real world, you can collaborate with people. There's not just one right answer. You know, you're mm-hmm. not just, you don't have to live your life or go through this world just by living by this set of rules. Like, oh, I can't do that. I wasn't taught that in school and stuff. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um and I think with some of the social issues that are going on today like I don't know how easy this would be or you know if uh they would be willing to do this but like we need a whole new set of we need we need a, like a whole new education system just start from scratch because mm-hmm. the current education system that's put in place right now it was not built to deal with the things that we're seeing in schools today. You know?
2: Think of it this way. Two things, and I'll go back to – I'm
1: going to start with the first thing. When you talk about it, it's not – I think the current educational system is working the way that it was meant when it was created, right? Yeah. And we have not stopped ourselves to think about, well, what – how was it created? Why was it created? And what were the outcomes once it was created? Again, yeah. our co- our culture and its core has completely shifted. Yeah, you have People from cultures with such such true diversity of thought, but that diversity of thought is not being implemented and allowed in the classroom.
2: Mathematics, you get shut down. Yeah. yeah,
1: shut down. Mathematics, right? Like again, in math class. If you don't follow these certain steps, even though we both might have gotten to the same answer, Mm -hmm. but it's not because of the steps that I showed you, then you know what? You're going to get the answer wrong. I mean, think about that. Not only do you get the answer wrong, but then we're also applying some sort of shame into the work that you did to get to that result, even though the outcomes were both the same. So now what has happened psychologically, you're willing to say that you're willing to put that shame, so you're also willing to put that blame of, like, dang, like, now, yes, I, you know what? I am wrong. So let me work the way that you wanted me to work. So then now I'm going to go to my second point, right? We like to say that as a, as a society, we want to be very collaborative. Mm-hmm. But really what we're asking people to do is just to be compliant, like you said. Yeah. We're not in teams, in teams, in, in teams in every system. There's teams in every system that you can think of, right? Right. And I fully do wonder, and I truly do wonder, like, what level of collaboration is happening and what level of cooperation and compliance is actually happening in those. So, like, what, is there a balance between the two? Is there one that outweighs the other? And yeah. I can, you know, if, if I were willing to do some research and put some bets and money into it, I think it's just more of a compliant society than a collaborative society.
2: So when you talk about, are we capable of starting from scratch? Yeah, absolutely. Because
1: the current system was created by somebody
0: that didn't look like you or me.
1: No, oh, not at all. No,
0: yeah,
1: no, no, it did not. So again, it is working. It is working for those who it was created for, and it's working against those who were not taken into consideration into account at the time that it was created. Yeah, but I'm not playing. I'm not saying that to place any blame on anybody or any guilt. Like, if that's where you're feeling, that's where you're feeling on your own. Yeah. I'm not saying that you were the creator of it.
0: You're just making an observation.
1: Absolutely. And we also have to be realistic with that, right? Like, we have to look at it through the lens of reality instead of ideality. Because ideally, yes, we would love for the system to function for everybody. Mm -hmm. But Martin Luther King Jr. said it the best. He said, I feel like I'm placing my people in a burning home. Whenever he started to realize that integration was not what he fully thought, yeah, that he really said it, I feel like I'm placing my people into a burning
2: home. This is the yeah. burning home.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny because I talked about the books that I've read and I like to read earlier, and all these books kind of have a similar concept, similar theme. How do how do we keep people compliant? And mm-hmm. if you if you keep someone compliant, then they're going to not be self-aware enough to realize what's actually going on. And this is how it keeps playing out in the end. Um, so uh, a book recommendation for you, uh, read Animal Farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, it, it's a good book. It's by George Orwell, same guy who wrote Nineteen Eighty-Four. But um, it's a short read. I have a copy. I'll let you borrow it if you if you want. But I mean, it kind of explains some of the things that are going on within the world right now, and how you know they're they're treating people and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I know I would definitely be
2: willing to to get yeah, a read. Yeah. Um, well, you know, yeah. Um, to so continue on this topic of,
1: of collaboration and like and cooperation and, and compliance like right what it is that we want from people, I've always liked to look at it this way you take them, you, you take the person's mind away, you have their body right you also have their body. Mm-hmm. You control the mind, you control the body yeah. Think about what it is fed in, in, in the classrooms. Think about what it is, the, histori- the history that we're taught. I mean, I did not start to become more self-aware. Not only self-aware, but self-love like love myself, accepted yeah. myself, um, started to heal myself more and started to become more centered with who I was. Once yeah. I started to read more about things that impacted me,
2: yeah Before
1: that i felt if it really felt to me that i was a shell that was controlled by that was controlled by something that i was not able to take care of myself or that i was able to take ownership of and now okay. i think because of the work that i've done yeah i can i won't say fully but i can say that i'm becoming a, i'm becoming an owner of who i am
0: yeah um- Kind of a funny question after hearing you say that, you felt like uh, you felt like you were a Robocop in that aspect absolutely least, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: uh,
1: even when I was a police
2: officer,
0: <laughs> yeah, dang, <laughs> I forgot T- yeah. tell me what you learned about yourself and the world from that experience
1: when I was because I was a police officer for ten years, yeah, growing up you know growing up and experiencing a lot of um corruption in law enforcement in mexico and then seeing the way that that police police officers would engage and would interact with the community in south bend where i lived yeah um that kind of gave me that driving factor of like i want to go into policing i want to become an officer i want to i saw myself as more of a peacemaker than a law enforcer at the time right at the time when i was when I was having that motivation to go into law enforcement. Yeah. Um, day two, bro, I kid you not day two of my, um, training week or training program. Mm -hmm. A detective asked me the question, Hey, why did you become a police officer in front of like other detectives? You know, you talk about people that one, I thought, okay, maybe I aspire to be a detective. So I was training in the detective bureau. And I'm like, man, this is cool. Like, I look up to some of these people. Yeah.
2: These officers, detective, asked me that question as I'm introducing myself to the whole bureau. Before I could even answer, mm-hmm. he says, "Before you answer, don't even
1: bullshit me and tell me that you you want to do good for the community, because I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to happen." Yeah. Damn. I was like,
0: "Hmm." holy shit, dude. The beginning of your program, too.
1: Day two. Day two. I was like, dang, like, whoa, now that that truly set. That was the foundation that was created for me. So you talk about a shaky foundation. That was it.
0: There was no foundation.
1: There was no foundation. Yeah. So then what happens is once I stepped into the system, I fell all the way down. Right? Yeah, I've, and I didn't even realize it. And here's why I didn't realize it: because I was a RoboCop. I was just like functioning. I was going. I was. I lived in such a cognitive dissonance mindset
0: mm-hmm. without
1: even realizing. Right. And for those yeah. viewers who may not know what cognitive dissonance is, is that separation of the internal versus the external, right? That separation yep. of um, your body and spirit and your mind of you know, tess- knowing that inside. Something is wrong or something is not ethically correct, yet I'm still participating in it, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I was living in such a mindset. Um. So for 10 years, what I failed to recognize was that I was functioning as Officer Velasquez and not Honor Velasquez.
2: Yeah. The badge
1: had taken over, Um. the uniform. I put the uniform on and I did not realize that that uniform was completely encapsulating who I was as a person and as a human being. Right. So it, had a, it went out the window. So you talk about another traumatic experience, you know, went through it as an immigrant, went through it as a, as a young kid, mm-hmm. went through it as a police officer back to back. And that's not even considering or even accounting the, the trauma that I had experienced as a young child myself.
0: Yeah. If you, if you feel comfortable, what kind of, what kind of trauma?
1: Um, a lot of domestic violence, um witnessing it, experiencing it firsthand and being a victim of it. Yeah. Um, you know, racial trauma, discrimination, and yeah, other stuff in there that maybe in the
2: future. Yeah.
0: Do you but, think yeah. uh, do you think something that's that's something that is like generational as Latinos should- like I mean, I, I I remember I never met my grandpas on either side, mm-hmm. but I always heard stories of like uh, them not them just not being you know uh, drinking too much, mm-hmm. you know, um, abusive, uh, hanging out with other women and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really wasn't until. Just a few years ago or I finally came to like see what that looks like through like each generation. So I mean I never met my grandpa, but I heard stories on who he was, and I'm like, well, this is why my parents are like this, you know? Because of what they saw, what they went through, what my grandma went through, what my grandmas went through. And you have to take a like a step back and kind of separate yourself from how they raised you which is difficult because like the first thing you want to do is put blame and you gotta think like well they, they didn't know any other way they, that's how they were raised you know mm-hmm. um i think that's another thing why there's a lot of like issues going on too people just never want to take just like a, take a step back and figure out like okay well why is are they acting this way why are they behaving this way why is this the way that it is and until you really take a step back and think to yourself well what what kind of stuff did they go through go through what kind of things have they seen what kind of things have they experienced and it seems like we're living in a world where everybody just wants their own spotlight so they don't ever even Stop to think that way, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think would be like a, a good solution to yeah, kind of come you know, together in that aspect?
1: So, one with your question in regards to is it is it a generational thing? Absolutely, um, and I completely agree with you. And I think what, truly, what has what's that, what has helped me come to terms with forgiveness for my dad has been that has been just me sitting back and thinking one through the stories that i heard, but because I never saw my grandfather in that aspect, no, um, but I also didn't spend that much time with him yeah. from what I hear. Not only, not only in his upbringing of poverty, but also in his upbringing of violence. Um, Yeah. I mean, obviously to me, there's no, There's no question of like, why, why is this happening to me now? Yeah. Um, I'm not using it as an excuse. I'm not using it as now I'm going to take that accountability from my dad away from him. Uh, Because yeah, yeah, he could have chose to do differently.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think that's what, for me, my root awakening was,
2: in regards to that, was with my daughter. Yeah. You know, for the longest time, I was afraid of becoming a father. Right.
1: It was because of. I did not know how I was going to be. I yeah. did not know what type of father I was going to be. Um, how I was going to discipline a child? Mm-hmm. How would I even control myself? If a child was to make me upset? Yeah. Because I experienced it for way too long. So part of me and part of my healing has come from one releasing ownership of everything that has ever happened to me. Right. Because unfortunately what I was doing is I would tell myself, oh yeah, I mean, you know what? Yes, I did this. So then now I can see why, or I can actually own, you know, that people say, oh, take ownership for your responsibilities or take ownership for your actions. Yeah. Damn. That's a hard one, right? Yeah. Because I recall like my dad, you know, me working on a math problem. And it's so ironic because you see all these memes of, an Instagram of kids working on a math problem and their, and their parents going ballistic, right?
0: Getting verbally uh, abused, I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it, it truly does happen. Um, yeah. So yeah, working on a math problem, my dad was like, it's right there. The answer is right there. This is how you do it. And he got so upset, he slammed my face on the table to a point where like, there was blood on my homework. You talk about, again, the system in Mexico. I went to school, turned that paper in. Nobody ever said, hey, where's this from?
2: Yeah. And, so
1: oh, you yeah, what? it's yeah, you talk about a system that failed me and failed me completely.
0: Yeah.
1: Not that they would have saved me, but it still failed me. So right. you know, how do you tell a child that you take ownership of your actions? My action was that I got the problem wrong.
2: Yeah. So then
1: there was the result or the outcome of that is to
2: get slammed on the table. Yeah. How, so how far was that okay, go ahead. go ahead. It's a follow-up
1: question. So for so long, I would take ownership of all that stuff. I would excuse it. I would justify it. And I would tell myself, you know what? I can see why now that happened to me. Without realizing that, one, I was affected by the trauma. And then, two, I was infecting myself from that trauma. I was creating myself to be this very, um, this illness, this, this trauma illness that was occurring inside of me. So that's why I was so fearful of becoming a dad. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, when I found out, well, yeah, I have a, I'm having a daughter. I was like, oh my god! Not that I was disappointed, but I'm like, I'm that, not kind. Like I'm not a gentle person.
0: That uh, you got scared, you know? Yeah, you got a bit of terror coming, Yeah, absolutely. How has uh, how how have those experiences kind of changed now when you're raising a? five-year-old daughter how old is she
1: she's five yeah she just turned five yeah like two weeks ago
0: yeah two three weeks ago how how has that helped you um
2: be the father that you wanted to be you know i think in a way it has it, it taught me or
1: it it is showing me the light of like it, it it is truly lighting up the tunnel that I don't want to go down, right? And the mm. the road that I don't want to go down. Yeah. Um, it has taught me that vulnerability is okay. That emotions are 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 accepted, are to be accepted, and are to be acknowledged. Yeah. And to be uh, metabolized. Right. But um. By and large, again, I think a lot of it is it has now shown me that, that it is my responsibility to not be who I thought the world wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. That I can actually be who who I am. Because again, I said it earlier, you know, I at that moment when I found out I I was a daughter, I thought of myself as not a gentle person. But when you truly get to know me and who I am as a whole, you're like, damn, this dude is freaking, like, he's so humbled. He's full of, love truly yeah
0: yeah Um, i believe it i believe it
1: but at at a very young age it was taken away it was robbed from me it was stripped away from who or from my identity so it it was it was definitely um it's definitely taught me being a father that i i am that and i can be that for
2: someone else
0: yeah um yeah i think uh i mean i don't have any kids but just having younger siblings, you know, I kind of had to take on that role of, like, the 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 brother and the father. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if your dad was like this, but, like, my dad just, like, never, like, hung out with us, like, never did anything with us. He just didn't want to. I mean, he worked all day, but he was never like, yeah, we're going to go do this today or I'm going to take you guys here or whatever. So then... Like, I was, the first, I was the first born kid, and my mom would always look at me and was like, help me with your siblings, help me with your brother and sister, or whatever. And that was that was tough, because that started when I was 10. Um, And so, like, you don't even really know who you are as a kid much. You You know, you can't really, like sometimes do all these things that you want to do with your friends or things that you want to do as a kid. Um, cause you're helping your mom with, okay, well mom's got to work. Dad's got to work. I got to take care of sister and brother and, you know, help out around the house and stuff. And I think that's, I think that changed me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I was in the same way. Like, until I really, until I really started taking care of my, siblings, I was not very patient. I was... You know, I I got angry easily um, like at myself or like at my siblings. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that like kind of helped me really understand like my emotions in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, we're Mexican. We never talked about feelings we never your parents are almost never show emotion i don't know if you had that same experience but you know like i never saw my dad cry he didn't show any other emotion than like he was mad that was the only emotion i saw Mm -hmm. um but i think when you have to take care of somebody else other than yourself and have to worry about somebody else other than yourself that's when your mind really starts to change and that's when you get this uh they say hindsight's 2020 that's where that really comes into play Mm um on like who you want to be how you want to be as an adult as a parent things like that Mm -hmm. um so i don't know it it was definitely an eye-opener and it, it took me a while to realize that too but um Again, I think we're just in a in a point in time where everybody just kind of self centered. Like I don't wanna bash anybody, but like it seems like everybody's just worrying about themselves, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think Western society is a very individualistic. It is a very um Again, it's, it's a very selfish way of being. Um, Even when you look down or when you
1: analyze how it is that we treat nature, it's very, it's very transactional, very, what can I get from yeah. this natural resource to profit me? Um, yeah. But, you know, one, first of all, thank you for obviously being vulnerable to share about your dad and, and your lived yeah. experiences. Because, yeah, it is true, I think, in a way, from, from what I've understood about Mexican fathers, and and I'm speaking from, from the experience of my friends and then colleagues or other people that are close to me and, and their experiences with their, with their dad is, Mexican fathers are, are amazing providers, right? Yes. Like they will provide and they will give you, they truly will give you their shirt off their
2: back. But when it comes to um, loving, Loving like endlessly loving
1: um, through that way of teaching and loving through that way of even intimacy like intimate yeah. love not yeah. obviously in the sexual way but intimacy like actually yeah. holding you and that's where that there are drawbacks there yeah
2: you,
1: you do miss out on that so for so long I would I would think about as a father too like you know I gotta I just gotta feed I gotta feed I mean I gotta feed my daughter that's it. Without, yeah. realizing that, without realizing that I was feeding her physically, but I was not feeding her mind or her soul. Yeah. Because that's what I was, for too long, I was longing that. I was, I, I did yeah. not have that. Yeah, my yeah. dad brought food to the table. So, yeah, physically I was doing well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mentally and spiritually, mm-hmm. broken.
0: Yeah. Broken. They were never taught that. You know, nope. they were never. Absolutely. That's, that's why it's a generational thing. Yeah. So
1: so at what point, you know, as as a person, at what point do you take responsibility and accountability for your own changing or creating of of new generational trends? Yeah. Because the way, I mean, uh, the way that you're talking and and what you're bringing up, you're bringing up excellent points of in the current society that we're in. Yeah, we're more likely to, the, the next generation is more likely to have the same conversation that you and I are having right now. Yeah. Instead of now, the topic being the complete opposite, that yeah, Mexican fathers can provide the soul, yeah. they can feed the the mind too, they can yeah. provide intimacy, they can provide love, yeah. um, but it is because. So going back to your question of like, how do we how do we move away from our society being in such a competitive and and um selfish and very individualistic way of being, I'll tell you what, it sounds so simple, yet it's so difficult and it's truly returning to our childlike state. Yeah. Yeah. Really returning to our internal childlike state. But first, before you even get to that place, you have to heal that child. Otherwise, that child is is in this trauma state, is in this survival state. So, yeah, that's why you're going to have competitiveness. Mm-hmm. that's why you're going to have individualistic mindset and that's why you're going to have selfishness in this society
2: mm-hmm. because
1: that childlike that is currently inside of you it wishes to to continue to play in a coll- in a collective effort it wishes to to truly be able to accept somebody for who they fully are
2: mm-hmm. but
1: now that childlike is is actually responding from its trauma it's like you know yeah. what i've experienced some trauma with with father, so you know what? I'm going to turn away from authoritative figures. Yeah. Or that, you know what? I was, um, I had to move from place to place. So now that I do own something, I'm going to hold it to myself and I'm not going to actually give that key of knowledge to, to anybody else. Yeah. So everything that we are living, we are truly children or we're adults living out our childhood traumas. That is one of the things that I've truly have come to fully understand.
0: Mm -hmm. Let me, let me ask you this based on uh, childhood traumas. And it's kind of a funny question, but is there any like childhood activities that you partake in today based on like traumas that you experienced when you were a kid? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, is there, like for me, if there's one thing I love to do is cartoons man mm-hmm. like they take me back to my childhood so much dude um and it's it's always gonna be dragon ball z for me that's what that's what i remember from mexico dude that's what i remember from mexico
1: here's the thing that i that i actually miss about dragon ball yeah. is that it's not in spanish or unless have you been able to find it in spanish no nah, dude it's the same <laughs> It is truly not the same. Goku's voice, uh, yeah, Chi's voice is not the
0: same. Yeah,
1: no one has the same voice, obviously, because it's in English, yeah. right? It is translated. Yeah. But there's something about the Simpsons, the Simpsons oh, Spanish. Heck
2: there's something
1: yeah. about Homer and Bart in Spanish, bro. Like yeah, it's a complete different thing. Yeah. Not only okay, so not only the the sound, but the translations are so different yeah like the, the crap that that uh homer would say other bar would say like <laughs> in spanish bro it is <laughs> hilarious but then i hear it in english and i'm like ah eh, whatever
0: dude uh that's what it's like with shrek too you ever seen shrek in spanish
1: yeah el burro the, yes. and then the guy the the,
0: La Gallenta, the dude. Red
1: man, yeah their oh, stuff man. again because it is so culturally connected right It is yeah. so So, again, you know, you go back to that idea of that culture shock is not just the location, right? It's not just that you're in a whole new place. Mm -hmm. It's a whole new world. Yeah. Linguistically, um, the way that your mind is taking things. Bro, the freaking chistes, the jokes in Spanish. They take it to me jokes in Spanish are the best jokes <laughs> ever. And I don't want to be biased. I really yeah. don't. I'm not here to be biased, but the jokes in Spanish, bro, like I hear my uncle and my dad going jokes back to back and I'm like holy shit. Like it is hours of laughing and laughing.
2: Dude. Dude.
1: Um and you can't you cannot truly mimic that in another language.
2: Yeah. So you miss
1: out on that. You know you miss out on those things. Yeah. Um so you know you you asked about things that I'm doing or or uh, one obviously playing with my daughter takes me mm-hmm. to to that place. Yeah. I I do feel like I like she's playing with that version that, of me that that would have wanted that type of play at that age. Yeah. Um I draw a lot. I I I draw. I'm actually even finding myself writing now, you know, like Very I nice. either yeah. poems or or just things that that impact me, but Um, yeah, just being, you know, just sitting down and just being, um, has, has definitely helped. I haven't really done anything more than that. Yeah. I've actually, I even bought all the seasons of, of Dragon Ball C, but again, they're hell yeah. (laughs) That's what's up.
0: Heck yeah, dude.
1: I mean, look, check this out. Hold on. This is how you know how big of a fan I am.
0: Yeah. Oh snap. All day. All day. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on, let me let me get some real quick. Yeah, there you go, Super Saiyan Funko Pop, dude. <laughs> dude, I'm yeah. telling you, that's that's my show right there. This, Goku's I the mean, GOAT. Grew, growing
1: up, I used to think I was Goku. Like I, you, even when I would fight, bro, I cannot recall the number of fights that I got in that I'm like thinking I'm going Super Saiyan. I'm like. At some point, I was like, "Wait a minute! My color, my color's not changing. My hair color's not changing. so I should probably stop and focus on the fight here instead of trying to I, do this." Yeah.
0: I also think that, like within the Hispanic community, everybody enjoys that show so much because they they've got like a lot of the similar values that we share too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they're super close with their family, um, food they enjoy yeah. food. Ooh, they enjoy food, they enjoy laughing, having a good time. Enjoy fighting. I, yeah, <laughs> dude, exactly. And I, I always your hear stuff. people like, yeah, dude. I always hear people say like, bro, that's just an anime. That's, your car- that's a cartoon. You're weird, man. But it's like, it's weird to you because you've never like experienced the same things I have. But mm-hmm. like, to me, like my brother watches it sometimes too. And I'm like. We we love it, you know. Me and my friends, we we watch this all the time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But you know,
1: to 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 go back to that comment that you made, I mean, that that is why, I, like, that is what I'm talking about. That we are in such a cultural clash right now, because for somebody to think that that's weird, yeah. instead of instead of saying, you know, like I'm glad that that did something for you, right? yeah, like dude. I'm glad that that you enjoyed. It. Tell me more. Yeah, Tell, like what did it feel like? Because, again, to be playing in the streets, to be playing soccer outside in the streets um, with the ball that the freaking leather of it was peeling off. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, seven o'clock hits, seven thirty hits. I need to be back in the house, (laughs) not because I have a curfew, because a new episode is coming out. Yeah, dude. Let me be back in there. (laughs) I know I'm going to eat some food that is going to be fire, probably. Yeah. And I'm going to be sitting in front of the TV watching a new episode again. I remember coming back inside, hearing the freaking, um, the Dragon Ball C theme song or the freaking Mm -hmm. Simpsons
2: theme song. Bro, that was life. I was living. Yeah.
1: So again, for people to think about that, for people to, that is how you know that they have not come to terms themselves on on fully accepting someone else in in their wholeness. Yeah. so that that's why I say, you know, we gotta return back to that childlike state. Yeah. When you go to a park, you see little kids; they're not at, they're not sitting there analyzing, they're not sitting there judging and critically um, visualizing one another and being like, "Oh, that's a wrong, that's a weird way to go down the slide." Instead, one of them goes down the slide in the way that that person likes it, mm-hmm. and then other ones want to try it out. Other kids want to try it out,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah.
1: oh, that's a weird thing that you they don't do that. Yeah. No. But now at this age, as adults, right around ten years old, seven years old, things start to change.
0: Yeah, you know, I think they should build playgrounds for adults, man. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna I'm take my brothers here to the park, and anytime I take them to the park, I'm just like, dude, I want to climb up that slide so bad. Like I want to, but like I'm, I'm too big too. You know, it's like I, I could get stuck in places, and I'm just like. I I still play with them. <laughs> I can get stuck in place. I'm not kidding, dude. Bro, like, you know they what? From-
1: before we even log off today, I want you to make a promise to 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 you and I in the audience, of whoever's gonna hear this, that yeah. when you go to the park after this, that you're gonna go down the slide and either take gotcha. a video or post it on your gram, whatever you want to do it. But I need you before we log off since it's about that time to wrap it up anyways, I promise me are going to go down this slide.
0: I, I got you. I'll take videos. I'll, I'll post it to the preview of, uh, I'm going to post too. So
2: good. Oh, good. but yeah. Um,
0: you got, uh, you got any last minute things you want to say, man, for wrap it up?
1: No, I'm appreciative. I'm appreciative of, of you inviting me on this forum and, and just having this conversation. Um, and you know, uh, a big part of this work is going to be that. It's going to be having conversations, having conversations that are going to be difficult. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a big firm believer that uh, discomfort is a wise teacher, right? So if we're feeling some sort of level of discomfort or difficulties, we are learning something as long as we're willing to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for us to to truly heal ourselves, because I, I, I'm I also a firm believer and a big believer that hurt people hurt people, right?
2: Yeah. Um,
1: but on the other side of that, whole people heal people. so. I think once we return to our wholeness, we'll start to see a different, um, more healed society.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a hundred percent, man. Totally agree. Um but yeah, dude, thanks for uh thanks for being on. I think uh I think a lot of what we talked about today is uh subconsciously like why I really just wanted to start this. Like I've never actually like talked down and like talked about traumas or you know, life experiences with with anybody really. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah. I feel a little bit more of like whole like like uh I got some weight lifted off my shoulders, you know. It's not common to see two Hispanic men talking about like traumas, how -hmm. they how they deal with things. Um so I thank you for that man. Um anytime you want to come on, let me know. For sure. I'm more than I'm more than open to it.
1: For sure. Uh, yeah, no, let's you let me know when and what the next topic that you may want to talk about. But yeah, I, I feel I feel a similar a similar way. I, I think uh so I get to do this work throughout the nation a lot. And uh, uh every conversation that I leave or every podcast that I've done, I truly feel that sense of I'm gaining who I am back little by little. Yeah. And it's a process, it's work, right? So I yeah. encourage everyone, every every listener, and everyone who wants to tune in, to take on that challenge to really take on that that work. Cause it's not easy, but yeah, bro. Thank you, and we'll see you soon. You no
0: know, man, thank you. Peace out, everybody.